You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1006 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. With only two, two places carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. So the Atlanta Hawks advancing with a five-game win over the New York Knicks. We'll, we'll discuss game five at length on this podcast. But broadly speaking, this is another dominant effort from the Hawks, particularly defensively. They win at 103 to 89, their first playoff series win since 2016, so a long time. And honestly, again, pretty dominant across the board. And the first playoff series win for guys like Trey Young and Bogdanovich and John Collins, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and the second for Nate McMillan, who was, I would say, pretty visibly emotional and gave an opening statement after the game. That's something he doesn't usually do and was definitely very happy and thanking people. And it was a jovial atmosphere, as it should have been for the Hawks after what was, a again, a very impressive performance. Not only tonight in Game 5, but also the entire series. They were the better team, to be sure, but they held, they held serve, took care of business, and basically had one bad half in the entire uh, in the entirety of the series. So the Hawks will move on to face the Sixers. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast and beyond. But a fun night at the office for the Hawks, and they are moving on with this win. Um, before we get to the game itself, uh, there was a couple of pregame things to hit on here quickly. Um, there was some interesting trash talk from Clickopella that provides some entertainment in the last couple days that I wouldn't have a chance to hit on necessarily on the podcast. But um, that, in addition to that, the only change pregame was that DeAndre Hunter was on the injury report as probable, but he ended up playing uh, and playing well. The Hawks were actually underdogs at tip-off, according to Battleline AG, our friends there. They were plus one. Uh, not, not the greatest line I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think part of that was just the urgency built in for the Knicks, but that did not end up being the case, and the Hawks were, again, pretty clearly the better team throughout. Uh, also today, today on the road to the finals, the NBA playoff coverage that we have is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it you enjoy it and 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can only enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So we'll dive in now to the ebb and flow of this one. And again, not exactly the most pretty game in the world from the Hawks in this game. They didn't shoot it great, but defensively they were very, very good. And that was the case right out of the gate. So um, a 6-0 run, by the Hawks to start the game. The Knicks didn't score for about two and a half minutes. That sort of set the tone overall. Capella was very good. Uh, obviously, lots of talk about the trash talk that he had um, over the over the, over this week, but um, he didn't necessarily need to do anything differently to back that up, but he was very good in this spot, and that started out at the beginning of the game. The Knicks responded to tie the game at 10-10, but the Hawks kind of pushed ahead from there. They were effective getting, sort of getting to the rim, scoring in the paint in the early going. Um... Rotation-wise, it was the same group for the Hawks for the most part. Herter as the first guy, and then Gallinari and Solomon Hill. The Knicks didn't hang around a little bit because the Hawks missed their first nine three-point attempts in this game. They went to the Trey Young plus bench lineup late in the first quarter. Um, again, to McMillan's credit in this game, he basically did the full stagger for Young and, and Madonovich. They ended up working out very well, and they avoided the full bench lineups in this spot. Once again, the Knicks did take the lead briefly late in the first quarter, um, and they tied it out on free throws late. There actually was a, uh, an elbow by Randall against a Kongwu uh, that definitely got the Hawks run up a little bit. That was actually ruled a common foul, and the Hawks were not very happy about that call, it seemed, in the moment. But sort of a, I would say, a good piece of foreshadowing is the Hawks did not shoot the ball well at all in the first quarter. They were 9 of 26 from the floor and 1 of 11 from three. But they took care of the ball, offense rebounded, and they were still 
even with that bad shooting, able to keep the game tied. Randall was pretty good in the first quarter, and but Capella was good for the Hawks, and they were in pretty good shape overall. Um, to the second quarter, we go, and actually, Trey played the entire first quarter, so they went to the bench with Bogdanovich and Capella back in with Lou Williams to open, open the second quarter. They actually trailed by four points early in the period, um, but Nerlens Noel, who was uh, sort of an antagonist in the entire series, especially again tonight, got his third foul in about seven minutes, and he, he actually had to sit from there. Um, Kevin Herter made the only two threes out of the first 15 attempts. The Hawks were 2 of 15 from three. It was just Kevin that made the first two, and that, that gave the Hawks the lead despite, again, shooting 2 of 15 from three in the first quarter and a half. The Knicks did stabilize things a little bit. I thought perimeter defense was kind of a problem for the Hawks at times in this game. Capella was there to clean it all up in the back line along with Collins, but um, that was the one thing I would point out is like not the greatest performance from the Hawks was, the, was their point of attack defense throughout the game. It didn't bite them because the Knicks were not capable of biting them for the most part, but just something to note moving forward. Um, there was a hip check from Taj Gibson on DeAndre Hunter in the back. Um, that was uh, a flagrant one after a review. Hunter was not very happy with that, as he shouldn't have been. Pretty dangerous play by Gibson that was ruled as such on review. Um, the Hawks led by as many as seven late in the first half. Um, settled uh, after a goaltending violation that was kind of controversial in the final minute up by five at the break, and there were some words exchanged going into halftime. In fact, Randall, Noel, and Solomon Hill all got, all got technical fouls. Solo stepped in and was sort of that enforcer type for the Hawks, uh, <laughs> kind of getting in the way and protecting Trey Young as he should. That was a smart thing for the Hawks to be doing going into halftime, and the Knicks were clearly rattled up in this game and throughout the entire, entire series, honestly. But the Hawks shot the ball much better in the second quarter. They got to the line 11 times in the second. Trey had nine points in less than eight minutes in that period. And the Hawks were decent enough offensively, despite the poor shooting, because they were 55% on twos, and they had 26 points in the paint in the first half. Uh, Trey had 14 of his own and 12 and 9 for Clint Capella on perfect shooting. The Knicks, though, were held um, held down once again, and we'll come back to this later on with the overall defensive efficiency for the series and the game. But they were unable to score early, often, in the middle, and all across this entire series, honestly. The Knicks just could not. That was, you know, short of Trey Young. Um, and his national breakout, which is certainly a huge topic. The number two thing, if you want to say that's number one, is that the Knicks just could not score in the entire series, and uh, we'll come back to that, but I certainly want to say that one more time before we get to the break here, is that they just, that was the theme. The Hawks just did a good job defensively the entire series. Um, coming into the year, coming into the matchup, I thought that was going to be the case, that the Hawks were not going to be a team that I was worried about defensively, and uh, that definitely proved, proved to be true, even at a higher level than I thought. Uh, the Knicks just could not get anything going the entire way. All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, it is time to reveal the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for this time around. And I will say this at the top, the entire series has not happened in only one week, so we're going to cheat a little bit this time and use the entire series. And with that said, the answer has to be Trey Young. So he was awesome the entire series, 29 points, almost 10 assists per game. He had 30 points or more in all three road games in New York. He didn't even shoot it that great for him. He was just okay with his efficiency. Got to the line 37 times in five games. That's very impressive. The Hawks were plus 47 with him on the floor in the series. Defensively, he was not picked on a ton, which is huge for the Hawks as well. And, you know, the flair that he played with, the effectiveness, he was the best player in the series by a wide margin, and uh, sort of his national coming out party, to be sure. So he has to be the choice. I, I will often go off the radar a little bit and try not to give Trey every award on, Mikkel, on the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. But this time around, there's no other alternative. Trey Young is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Are you happy because you win? You win because you're happy? Only 2 carbs and 95 calories is only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Trey Young.
All right, we'll dive into the second half now. And actually, it started at the free throw line with a technical foul because I mentioned it before the break. There were three technical fouls assessed, two on the Knicks going into halftime. So Trey's at the line to open up the third quarter with a free point that was uh, useful for the Hawks. Um, Randall made a three on the first trip for the Knicks, but the Hawks pushed it back out to seven pretty quickly, prompting a timeout by, by the Knicks. And the Hawks moved Hunter back to Randall, which I liked. Um, Hunter did a good job on Derrick Rose and was really good in this game overall, but Randall had it going just a little bit more than he had been previously. And once Hunter got put on him, that helped uh, to slow him down a little bit in this game. The Hawks led by 12 after a little run. From my, from, finally, uh, Bogdanovich had a three. He had been really cold before that to go up by 12. And honestly, that was the last time which the Hawks were like truly challenged in this game because from that point forward, they, they loved the double digits pretty much the entire way um, You know, the last you know, 18, 20 minutes of this contest. In fact, the Knicks scored seven points in the first seven minutes of the third quarter. There were two of 10 from the floor. And in addition to them not making shots, the Hawks were playing harder, it felt like getting the 50-50 balls and, like, just kind of just, I don't know, flying around the rim, um, being more physical, energized. The Knicks kind of looked not broken necessarily, but they were definitely dejected by their body language and they just didn't have a whole lot of juice coming. And I think they probably knew by the end it was not going to be their day. Um, in fact, Collins got pretty mad at Noel. Um, no one was very pleased with him the entire series. Uh, rotationally, they went back to a Kongwu along with Herder and Gallinari, and I thought Kongwu was actually pretty huge in the third quarter. He had three offensive rebounds in a pretty short period of time. Also, one in the first half, and one of those was a putback to put to cap a 7-0 run by the Hawks, scored by 16 points. And they and then he had a block late to hold the lead at 12 for Atlanta. Uh, somehow, the Hawks shot nine of 25 from the floor and two of 10 from three in the third quarter, and they won the quarter by seven <laughs> because the Knicks scored 15 points on 5 of 18 from the floor. The Hawks, had, uh, the Hawks did have some extra possessions with the offensive rebounding, both from Okongwu and the entire team overall. But um, that was probably the time for the Knicks to make their run, and uh, the margin got wider as a result, and uh, that was kind of the end of that. Um, to the fourth quarter, real quickly here. Um, there was actually a pretty bad turnover by Kevin Herter at the, on the first trip of the, of the fourth quarter, leading the free throws, and the league got down to 10 at one point there after a foul by Gallinari, etc. Um, but... Uh, the point I want to circle here as I guess the only other time that it got a little bit dicey was when the Knicks got down to nine with nine 44 to go. McMillan calls timeout and, uh, to his major credit, he came out of that break with the starters on the floor. And that is much earlier than the Hawks have gone to their starters on, on the floor together to close the game. I think maybe at any point this season, at least at the end of the McMillan era, and um, that was a good decision, though. That was an aggressive playoff decision by McMillan to, you know, say, you know, look, we're not, not going to screw around anymore. Let's have some urgency and close this thing out. And that worked out very, very well. Um, Hunter got wrapped up on a fast break. Actually, it was actually I'm surprised it wasn't reviewed by either a clear path or flagrant foul. But regardless, uh, Trey hits a three to go up by 14, and they got fouled on a three in the next possession. Made two out of three to go up by 16 with seven minutes to go. And then Hunter hit a what I thought was a pretty dagger three. With 5.44 left, with the Hawks up by 19 points. So the lead goes from 9 to 19 in 4 minutes. A 15-5 to run when the starters came back in the game. And, you know, that's not only because of the decision to go to the starters, but honestly, that was a huge decision. It worked out well. The Hawks were already in great shape, to be fair. But going to that group then, having that work the way that it did, kind of slammed the door on the game and the series. So a good decision there by McMillan. Um, there was one like little mini hiccup late when Trey, when Trey actually turned the ball over, trying to let the ball roll. The clock was running, so it was not the worst decision in the world, but execution-wise, it was not great, and that ended up in a turnover and a bucket. So the Knicks got down to, to 11 with about two minutes to go, but still, it was never actually in doubt. And then, uh, pretty fittingly, 
Trey Young hits a dagger three in the final minute from long distance and then gave the crowd a, a well-recognized bow at the end of that shot and waved goodbye to New York. That was a fun moment. It went very viral after the game. Trey acknowledged it in the post-game press conference and all that stuff. That was a fun moment and uh, definitely the, the final dagger. It was already over, but uh, certainly one to leave MSG with from Trey. Um, from there, obviously, you know, we'll get into some, some, t- some takeaways now on the performance. Um, offensively, it was not like special from the Hawks in this game. They scored about their average rate, which is actually not bad considering they didn't shoot the ball well again. 9 of 34 from 3 is not fantastic, but offensive rebounding was huge in this game. 31% on the offensive glass. That's, that's an elite figure. Akongwu, Capella, etc. They took care of the ball. 11 turnovers is totally fine. Um, they outscored the Knicks in the paint, 44 to 30, and they took, they took 8 more free throws than the Knicks did in this game. That's a pretty good recipe overall. And then defensively, they held the Knicks to about a 98 offensive rating. Randall had 23 points, which is one of his better numbers in the series, but he had 23 shooting possessions to do it as well, so not terribly efficient. Rose uh, fell apart and didn't really do much in this game for the Knicks. And New York was 36.2, sorry, 36.5% on twos in the game with 17 turnovers. So basically the Knicks just were bad offensively yet again, and a lot of that credit goes to the Hawks. They played very well defensively the entire series. In fact, a 102.1 defensive rating in the five games for the Hawks. In comparison, the Lakers led the league this year in defensive rating. It was about 106. So this is a excellent figure in a five-game sample. Yes, the Knicks are bad on offense, to be sure, for a playoff team. But the Hawks did a very good job the entire way, giving them no life and uh, a huge defensive performance to go along with a very solid offensive effort against a good, a good defense in New York. All right, before we get to the individual stuff and a look ahead briefly to Philly and beyond, a word from our sponsor today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone, and my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you, but right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that... All the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today 
and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and the individual stuff is uh, pretty straight ahead in this game. We'll talk about this now before we uh, end the podcast and end the series. The bench was not a huge factor in this game for Atlanta. It was the starters pretty heavily and playing very well. The one guy off the bench that played that I thought played like, you know, capital W well was Kevin Herter, who had a good series overall. Uh, did have four turnovers, which is not great, but aside from that, I thought he played well again. Eight points, three rebounds, and assists, three away from the floor, hit the only two threes from the Hawks for, for a long time in the first half. I thought he was, tw- he was he was totally fine. Twenty minutes. Lou Williams had a couple shots off the uh, off the bounce. Had se- and seven minutes had five points and assist and two rebounds. Did his job in this game. Solomon Hill was quite on the floor, but again that enforcer role and just kind of played that you know tough toughness defense kind of uh, mini role for the Hawks in this game. Akongwu I thought was again pretty darn good. Two points, four rebounds, two blocks in six minutes, and that was all over the offensive glass throughout his time. Made his only shot attempt was plus two and was a, a genuinely positive force in this game. Uh, Gallinari was quite bad, I thought, actually. Uh, one point on seven shot attempts. Not great. Uh, three fouls, minus eight. Uh, not his best effort, let's say. The Hawks need him to be better than this. Um, obviously, he had a couple, a couple better games in the series overall, but uh, this is not one that uh, he will definitely be remembering other than just the team win. He was not very good in this game. Um, to the starters. And all five played 35 minutes or more, and that was good to see from McMillan, uh, sort of turning on the Jets, not wanting to come home and have to play another game. That's a good decision by all parties involved. Um, Bogdanovich was the quietest in this game. Four of 11 from the floor, uh, one of seven from three, had nine points, seven rebounds, did have five assists, two steals, and a block. He was active, had four fouls, was plus 16. Just didn't shoot it great in this game. Um, was still three or four on twos and was you know, reasonably aggressive, but I thought his his presence was uh, positive overall, just didn't have a great shooting night overall. Um... Elsewhere, John Collins, you know, kind of a solid night, nothing great, but uh, totally fine defensively, made a couple impact plays around the rim, had a block shot, 13 points, 7 rebounds, um, efficient, 5-9 from the floor, 2-3 of three from the free throw line, uh, just a totally fine, solid, not great, not terrible night from John, D- did his job for sure defensively, and uh, that's where they needed him in this game. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I thought was quite good, 15 points, 3 rebounds, had a, had a steal and a block as well in 35 minutes, 6 of 11 on the floor, 1 of 1 from 3. I think defensively he was uh, you know, short of Capella, their next best player in this game, and just kind of make a, made a bunch of plays, took Rose away, and then uh, slowed down Randall as well later on in the game. Uh, Capella, I thought was awesome, 14 points, 15 rebounds, and 2 blocks, plus 21 in 37 minutes, missed 1 shot but was extremely effective around the rim. Defensively was awesome. Backed up his trash talk in a big way. Not that I was worried about that because Capella has been awesome all all year long, but he played extremely well and was a massive factor. was the game best plus 21 in this game. And then finally, of course, Troy Young. Um, Honestly, I'm not sure if this was Trey's best game of the series. It probably wasn't, wasn't one of his best games in the series, but he ended up still being very good because that's how good he was in this entire series. His numbers are crazy. Um, for the whole for the whole way, and he had 36 and nine in this game. The only reason I'm saying that he wasn't fantastic by his standards, again his very lofty standards, is that he actually took 35 shooting possessions to have 36 points. So he was not like incredibly efficient. He was 10 of 28 from the floor and three of 11 from three. Got to the line 15 times, made the long bomb late. Nine assists is still very very good. Had two steals. He was active there defensively. I think the whole series was pretty good defensively by his standards, to be sure. Like pretty uh, pretty engaged, pretty much just doing his role, showing up getting in the way, etc. And uh, if this is not his best game in the series, 
it stands to reason how good he was the entire way, and he still was um, in total control offensively. You know, the only thing that he didn't do that well in this game was shoot, and that was kind of the theme for the entire Hawks team. Again, the Hawks did not shoot the ball that that, that well in this game. Like, if I told you before the game started, the Hawks were going to shoot 9-34 from three and not, like, off the charts from two, they would have not been in trouble necessarily, but not, not you know, winning my 14 points is not a likely outcome necessarily, but the Hawks did their job everywhere else in this spot. And, you know, Young and Bogdanovich were 4 of 18 from 3 combined. And the Hawks still won very comfortably. So they were uh, by far the better team. And that definitely showed through. And Trey was awesome the entire series for the Hawks. Again, congratulations to everyone in the Hawks organization. But definitely Nate McMillan, who uh, caught a lot of heat pre- in previous stops. He's not won a playoff series since he was in Seattle, which is the now defunct franchise that's going to be in Oklahoma City. So it's been a long time. And uh, Nate, you can definitely tell, as I, I sort of mentioned this before, but he's not give opening statements very often after games, but he led with uh, some thanks, and that was uh, definitely indicative. And I think he definitely appreciated the way this all went this year and the playoff series win. But uh, the Hawks, you know, overall, a bunch of experienced guys um, sort of mentoring, you know, your Gallinari types, your Capellas, Solomon Hill, and then a ton of young guys, of course, in their first playoffs and uh, a heck of a performance against a team that they were better in. Again, the Hawks were better than the Knicks. I picked them in the series, but they were still even more dominant than I thought they'd be. And uh, credit to all involved for that performance. Okay, from here, the Hawks now know who they'll be playing in round two because Philadelphia uh, clinched on Wednesday with a win over Washington, and the series is going to open sometime on Sunday in Philadelphia. We don't know when. We don't know when just yet. But the, the NBA did announce earlier this week that if both series ended in in six games or fewer, it's going to be Game One on Sunday in Philly. So we know that right now. Now there is one looming factor that's going to be massive in the series, and that's Joel Embiid's injury. Um, right now, he was announced. The Sixers said that he has a small meniscus tear in his knee. Is listed as day to day. Actually, he did not play in Game Five tonight, and they're in the midst of what they're calling a physical therapy and treatment program with Embiid. Simply put, um, the, if Philly has a healthy Joel Embiid, they are pretty clearly favored over the Hawks in this series. I've said on this podcast before. I think the Hawks would still be very competitive in that series. Um, but I'll say this right now. If Joel Embiid was ruled out for the series, I would pick the Hawks in the series. Like The Hawks should be favored, in my opinion, if Embiid is not going to play. Or even if Embiid misses three or four games, not even the whole series. If he's unable to play in the beginning of the series, and that's the thing, we, do, we just don't know right now. So that's going to be a theme that you're going to be hearing a lot. If you're someone who pays attention to media all across the landscape, the number one storyline of this series is going to be Joel Embiid and his health and his knee and just be prepared for that. It's going to be happening. It's justified, too, because, you know, as much as it could be overblown, he is their best player by a wide margin. He is a you know top five MVP candidate this year. And if he's going to be playing limited, playing healthy or not playing at all, those are huge factors in this series. But anyway... Mahawks will start on the road. We don't have the schedule just yet, but uh, two in Philly and then back at home for two, you know, maybe late next week into the weekend. So stay tuned for all of that. I'll have at least one more podcast between now and the opener on Sunday. Um, maybe two, but at least one for sure that'll post Thursday night or Friday. Um, so stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast network and all that fun stuff. Thank you for this journey that we've all been on together so far this year. 77 games worth, uh, 72 plus five to this point in time, but it's going to be uh, continuing from this point forward. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please follow the show on whichever podcast platform of your choice. Rate, review, tell your friends. Thank you again sincerely for joining me on the show today and the entire season. And we'll be back again at least one more time between now and Sunday. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you next time.